It's 4 o'clock and time for the Calvary Live Show, taking your calls and questions about life, the Bible, and living in Jesus. The number to call is 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. And I want to welcome you to Calvary Live on this Tuesday afternoon. This, of course, is the program where you, the listener, get to call in and talk with me live on the air to ask questions about the Bible or Christian living. Maybe you got a prayer request or a praise report, and I am your host, this afternoon, Jeff Figs, I pastor Calvary Chapel Greeley in Northern Colorado. So I want to welcome all of you to today's edition of Calvary Live. The number to call, as you heard at the beginning of the show, is 303-690-3000. And I just would encourage you, grab one of those open lines. You, the listener, make this show as you call in, as we talk about the scriptures, about Jesus, uh, things that really matter, uh, questions about the scriptures that help you, encourage you. We want to minister to you as well as you call in with uh, prayer uh, requests and to be able to pray with you and for you. We also got a means for you to be able to text, and that number for texting only, and make sure you're in a safe place as you text, that number is 720-336-0897. Let me say that again, 720-336-0897. As Pastor Ed often does, and I want to encourage you, I'd put those two numbers in your favorites so you're ready to just pull it up on your phones and be able to uh, call us at 303-690-3000 to talk to me live on the air. Uh, again, we have open lines, and then the text uh, number is 720-336-0897. I want to welcome all of you on Grace FM, uh, listening along the Front Range in Pueblo, in Fountain, Widefield Security. I'd love to hear from you guys down in the Widefield Security area. That's where I grew up, and uh, love to hear you call in and let us know you're listening and ask your questions or ask for prayer. Colorado Springs, and then up into northern Colorado on 89.7 FM, from Denver up into southern Wyoming, that's Laramie and Cheyenne. And then also I want to welcome all of you listening in on Hope FM in New Jersey and Pennsylvania and Maryland, and we're blessed to be able to answer your calls and questions and to pray for you. The number is the same. You can call in at 303-690-3000, and that will work for you to join me on the air and the text line as well, 720-336-0897. So I pray that this hour is a blessing to you. Call in, grab one of those open lines. I want to read to you from Luke chapter uh, 13. I'd like to just uh, read you some scriptures. We're waiting for the phone calls to come in and people to be able to text in their questions. Uh, But uh, I am uh, looking at this uh, text this week as we're going to be uh, going over it on Sunday morning here at Calvary Chapel Greeley. We're going through Luke's gospel. In Luke chapter 13, Jesus begins to lament over Jerusalem. He says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you are not willing. And I think a lot of us are, um, you know, familiar with that verse, and, and it's words of uh, Jesus being tender and his heart breaking, knowing that he, in a few 
months from this time that he's speaking in Luke chapter 13 is going to be rejected by the people as they're going to be crying out, crucify him. And the consequences that would come uh, later on in 70 AD as Roman uh, Titus, the Roman general, would come in and destroy Jerusalem. But I, I want to make it personal uh, to us because Jesus here, uh, as he said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, he begins to weep over the holy city. But I think that uh, as we look at Scripture and we see that whenever the Lord would say a name twice, uh, he is saying it with emotion. He's saying that very tenderheartedly, caring, uh, his heart breaking in this case. He would say, oh, uh, Peter, Peter, you know, uh, that— uh, Satan's been asking for you, and he wants to shift to you like wheat, And but I've been praying for you. Uh, when Paul, uh, at that time known as Saul, going to Damascus to persecute the Christians, that when he met the Lord on the, the day of his conversion, the Lord would say, Saul, Saul, you know, why do you persecute me? Uh, it's hard to kick against the goads. And, and even David, you see it in the Old Testament, when his son Absalom was killed, he would say, oh, Absalom, Absalom. And the Lord, I think about for me, how many times does the Lord say, oh, Jeff, Jeff, you know, you, you got wrong attitudes. You're going in the wrong direction. You're not listening to me. Uh, Lord, you're, or Jeff, you're missing out. And the Lord, he says that to us as well. And I pray for us that we would just be sensitive to the leading of the Lord, um, that we would be sensitive to the things uh, that he wants to show us as he desires to gather us under his wings, that poetic language for protection and provision, for guidance. Um, and he's such a loving Lord. So hopefully that blesses you. Let's go to our callers. We'll go to line one to Patrick from Colorado Springs. Patrick? Yes. How are you today? I'm doing good. How are you? I am good. All right. Hey, so uh, the question I have is, one of the things that comes up when I talk to certain people about the Bible and the Lord is that, uh, <clears throat> well, their question to me is, if since the Bible has been rewritten over so many different languages and has the hands of men on the Bible that kind of almost had free reign on to uh, what their interpretation of the word was. Right. How, how it can truly be the word of God. Well, I think what they're saying, Patrick, is that over time the Bible has been changed and, um, and you know, there's there's all kinds of uh, studies on it, and you know, people that have their different opinions. When people talk to you about that, do you ask them? Can you give me um, an example? No, that's what I ask them. Well, like, <laughs> can you can you give me an example of it? And usually they they can't because they haven't really looked at it. Uh, is what I'm saying. You know, one of the things that I take them to, because there's different Bible interpretations, um, you know, um, there's different Greek manuscripts. Um, it's a study all on its own. And But here's the thing. One of the things that I take them back to is the Dead Sea Scrolls. You can look at the Dead Sea Scrolls, for example. They got, uh, when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, they found a whole scroll of the book of Isaiah, all 66 chapters. And that scroll was dated 200 years before Christ was born, about 200 B.C. 
And when you look at that scroll written in Hebrew, and when they interpret it, it is very, very similar, um, except for a few minor, you know, punctuation, few minor words that does not change the meaning of what the text is telling us. It's the same as what you have in your Bible um, and what has been, um, you know, translated. So the translators did, I believe, an excellent job in translating from, of course, the Hebrew in the Old Testament, the Greek in the New Testament, to give us the scriptures of what we have today. And I use the example of the Dead Sea Scrolls. And it's interesting because, uh, Patrick, about, I don't know, three or four years ago, there was um, a copy of that ancient scroll of Isaiah and some other copies that uh, were making a tour through Colorado. We had it here at the church. Some of the other Calvaries had it. Um, and you could come in and you could, they had a program where you can take your iPad and line it up with that ancient scroll. And then uh, it was able to give you the interpretation in, in English. And as you did that, like for example, Isaiah chapter 53, it's it's identical to what I was reading in my Bible. So, there's no real evidence that the Bible has been changed over the years. It's corrupt, if that's what they're saying, um, that we can owe a great deal of, of gratitude to the scribes and the interpreters that interpret it. Now, there's different translations um, and all of that, that uh, the wording is different, but um, uh, it really, there's no evidence when you look at the canon of Scripture that it has been changed over the years to where... It's their own interpretation or whatever. So I don't know if that answers your question. It does. Uh, and that gives me a good spot to uh, redirect the, their line of questioning. You know, and it's interesting because I'm doing some um, some reading on it. Um, there's a, a Calvary Chapel pastor in Colorado Springs. Um, somebody was calling about different interpretations, and uh, a uh, he's just a neat man that's been in Colorado Springs, uh, Jim Etheridge of Calvary Chapel Eastside, that really has sent me some good stuff on all this, and I need to go through it. Uh, New Testament scholars and translators, um, you know, the different ancient texts and stuff like that. So I appreciate Pastor Jim sending that to me, and um, I'm looking forward to just reading it more. But what I do is I ask people when they say that, well, the Bible's been changed and all of this, give me an example of it. And 99.9% of the time, they really can't. And um, they just read it, or that's their opinion. But take them back to the Dead Sea Scrolls, other things uh, that are available uh, that um, are going to be helpful to you as well. But we owe a great deal of gratitude to the scribes and others that translated the Bible. Um, and, and, you know, you can get into, there's more ancient copies of the Bible, um, you know, of uh, written uh, in you know over the centuries um, that you see as you compare them, they're very very similar. It has not been changed. Okay. All right. Thank you. Hey, uh, while I have you on the line, you mind if I ask you another question? Sure. So it's it's about tattoos. Um, I know in the Bible in the Old Testament it says, "Thou shalt not get your body tattooed." Uh, what's I don't know, is that basically it? Well, what it talks about, I think it's Leviticus. I'm going to take a poke at it. It chapter 17. Um, it talks about not, you know, tattooing your body. Here's the context of it, Patrick. Um, 
is when the Lord was getting the children of Israel ready to go into the promised land, he said, here's some things that you don't do. You don't cut yourselves, you know, uh, that's what the pagans do. You don't mark yourself in a way where you're identifying yourself with paganism, with false gods. That was the whole context of it. And so as we're in the New Testament, there's no prohibition to tattoos. Um, It was, you don't do this in the Old Testament because you're identifying yourself with pagan worship, with those false gods. So um, I don't see a prohibition on tattoos. Now, I will say, I tell young people particularly, if you get a tattoo, remember, uh, it's going to stay with you. (laughs) So, you know, you can be all buff and get the razor tattoo, but when you get old like me, it's going to begin to fade away and not look so good. But, um, you know, that was the, the, the context behind it uh, in the book of Leviticus. Don't do this because you're going to be identifying with paganism. And if you love the Lord and you worship the Lord, uh, there's no prohibition against tattoos. Right. That's, that was my interpretation of it, but I found other people had... Thou shalt not tattoo, and that's what that means. Yeah, and, you know, it was identified with that. Now, those who have, you know, a conviction of not having tattoos, that's their conviction, but that's what I read from the Scriptures. All right. Well, thank you for your time. Thanks, Patrick. Thanks for calling. Appreciate it. Uh Uh-huh. Have a good night. You too. Okay, how this works when somebody... Hangs up. There's an open line, and so the number to call is 303-690-3000. Let's go to line two to Monica from Denver. Monica? Monica, I don't know if you dropped, but she wanted prayer for her sister-in-law. And uh, Monica, I'm going to go ahead and pray for that, and then we're going to move on. But if you want to add anything, um, uh just go ahead and call back. But, Father, I do pray. Monica called. She was online, and uh, apparently we don't have her, but I do want to pray for her sister-in-law. You know the circumstance. You know what's going on with her. You know Monica, who's called in, and I thank you for her desiring to pray for her uh, sister-in-law. And I, you know her name. You know everything that's going on. We lift her up to you, the situation, um, the the challenge, the the. Um, situation and what's taking place, and we just commend it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. 303-690-3000. Again, the text line is 720-336-0897. Be able to answer your questions as we have time on the text line. Love to hear from you, but let's go to line three to Bianca. How are you doing? I'm good, Bianca. How are you doing? Well... Honestly, I'm a little bit confused for some reason. It's just that I've been really reflecting on my prayer life these days, and I feel like I'm being way too repetitive with my prayers. I don't know if that's even possible. I mean... I know there's a scripture that says when you pray, don't. I can't remember what it is, but but I'm wondering number one what what that scripture is talking about, and 
and what could be some ways to help me not be so repetitive because I because the way I pray is first I praise the Lord and and for everything he's done and then I and then I and then I just thank him for everything he's done in my life and then I go on to to other people's prayer requests that I have on the long list of people's prayer requests I have and and then at the end I pray for myself because I don't want to make it seem like I'm being selfish, you know. Right. But I'm wondering is there a possibility to not be so repetitive and I mean as far as that other scripture's concerned and Yeah. And you know it's interesting that um you're pondering on this um uh, because uh I've talked to a few people recently that kind of had the same thoughts as you did Bianca and I was even thinking it as well um because Sometimes uh, we get into a prayer life, we think it might be repetitive. And, and one of the things to remember that in Matthew chapter 7, um, when Jesus is talking about, um, you know, don't give in to vain repetition on the Sermon yeah. on the Mount, is what he says. And that's the key word, vain. There's nothing wrong with being re- repetitive in our prayers, first of all. Um, he said, ask and it will be given to you. Um, and you shall find knock, and it will be open to you. And um, he he says, keep on asking, keep on seeking. Um, he, he talks uh, Jesus of the parable of the persistent widow that kept coming coming to the judge and asking. So there's nothing wrong with repetition of praying because you know we can say, hey, I'm going to pray for this situation, and I really believe that the Lord wants us to keep coming back to him, to keep asking, to keep praying. Um, he says, ask, please ask that your joy may be full. So we can keep praying, praying for our loved ones, praying for supplications and requests. There's nothing wrong with that. I really believe the Lord wants us and cares about us enough for us to, to hear those prayers, to keep being persistent in prayer, I, to labor in prayer in that way. The key is is if it's just vain repetition. You know, he gives the example of the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer, we can just say, Our Father who art in heaven, how you be that. We can say it without even thinking about it. But when we're really pressing into prayer, it's okay to repeat. It's okay, you know, things that are on your heart when you're praying for somebody or you're praying for a job, you're praying for you know, your marriage, you're praying for your kids, you're praying for whatever it may be, I believe the Lord desires for us to keep coming to Him. Now, one of the things that might help um, is that, and I was talking with somebody about this not long ago, is that when you have your devotions, because they were talking about their devotion time, they didn't want to just, you know, here's here's my list, and here's, you know, my prayer list, and it's the same but as you go through the scriptures, Bianca, you can pray through the scriptures as the Lord uh, talks to you through the Word. For example, you're reading through a chapter and the Lord speaks to you, how it applies to you. You can talk back to the Lord and say, Lord, thank you. And, and Lord, you, you've uh, 
taking this truth, this precept, this commandment, um, and uh, I, I hear you speaking to me. I thank you for that. And just have that conversation with the Lord. Um, that conversation. Now, here's of, another thing, though, because I know I'm in Leviticus right now, and I know it's one of those challenging books, you know? <laughs> so it is a challenging book. How am I supposed to pray through Leviticus? I mean, well, I just don't get it. <laughs> yeah, and and that's the thing. It's a little bit more challenging, but I find Leviticus to be a wonderful book. Of course, there's there's things in there about, you know, their dietary laws and, you know, how they took care of the camp and all that. But, for mm-hmm. example, when you go through, uh, for example, Leviticus chapter 10, um, when you go through and they offer strange fire— you can look at it and say, Lord, I don't want to offer strange fire to you. Um, I, I don't want to come into your presence, you know, where um, I'm boasting or anything like that, because that's what Nabad and Abihu were doing. So there's, you know, the, the different um, sacrifices that are listed in the first seven chapters. Jesus fulfills those. Oh, Lord, in chapter one, the burnt offering, right? So the burnt right. offering is uh, an offering where all the animals consumed, and it applies to me to where, Lord, I want to give all myself to you. That's what I mean. Lord, I want to be a burnt offering to you, a living sacrifice unto you every single day. The peace offering is a fellowship offering. Lord, I want to fellowship with you. I just want to go deeper. That's what I mean by talking through the Scriptures and just those truths that you bring out um, of reading your Scriptures you know, that you can, um, you know, talk to the Lord about. Uh, the Day of Atonement in Leviticus chapter 16, that, Lord, I thank you. Uh, I thank you that because of what Hebrew says, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, I can come into the Holy of Holies. Not just once a year, uh, not for a short time, but I can come anytime, stay as long as I want, and do it as many times as I want because the veil has been rent. And that's what I mean by just praying through the Scriptures. And I think it makes it a little bit more dynamic. At least that's what I've incorporated over the years, that when the Lord just kind of hits me with the truth, I'll stop and say, thank you, Lord. And um, and then a prayer life throughout the day, if I'm at a you know, someplace in my, it, during the day, and I think of somebody, I'll begin to pray for them. Or I see something that prompts, you know, uh, my heart to, to shoot up a prayer. I think that makes our prayer life just a little bit less mundane and routine. And it makes makes it exciting, actually, because we can go to the yeah. Lord as many times as we want. And here's the other thing, Bianca. Some people think that if they don't do an hour-long prayer or 30-minute <laughs> prayer, that it doesn't count. We see in the Scriptures those who would pray at the moment, and like Nehemiah. Uh, Nehemiah, when the, the king said, what's the matter, Nehemiah? It says that he prayed, and then he gave a request to the king, can I go back and rebuild the wall around Jerusalem? So we can shoot up those quick prayers. Those are... Um, you know, important to the Lord as well. So hopefully that that gives you some encouragement. Yeah, it really does. Well, can you just pray for me that the Lord would really give me true understanding of this book of Leviticus because I am just at a complete loss as to 
where to go in, obviously, since my machine can't really open a lot of websites. It's just hard for me to, you know, so can you just pray that the Lord would provide some resource or something to help me understand Leviticus better, because I know it's just hard. Yeah, it is, and um, it takes a little bit of reading through. And just remember, like Leviticus, the theme of the book of Leviticus is to um, show the priests how they could serve and obey and worship a holy God. So that's the overall theme of it. And so that's what Leviticus will be showing you, the sacrifices in the first seven chapters of Leviticus, right? Um, (laughs) Jesus fulfills those sacrifices. Chapter 8 um, is the priests that are being uh, consecrated for ministry. Um, and has he, for example, um, as they were anointed, he desires to anoint you for ministry. As they were washed with water, that he desires to wash you with the water of the word. As they were in that place of the tabernacle, you're in a place where you're hearing the word of God. So those are applications that you can make. Then chapter 9, the presentation of the priests. Uh, then chapter 10. So all those things, and hopefully um, that the Lord will just begin to speak to you. So, Father, I pray for Bianca. Thank you for her call and her desire to just know you more, to know the Scriptures as she's reading Leviticus, that you would speak to her, help her make application to where she can uh, just grow in uh, worshiping you, knowing you, obeying you, and, Lord, drawing close to you. So speak to her. Lord, help her as she prays that you delight in her coming to her with not only her thanksgiving, but, Lord, her requests and supplications, and to ask, please ask, that her joy may be full. So just bless Bianca, her ministry, as she's desiring to grow in you uh, through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And one more thing, please remember that our next Pray for Israel event will be next Tuesday. On the 14th, right? Yes, so please be sure to mention it on the second half as well so people can join us next Tuesday. We will be starting at 6 a.m. Okay, I'll let everybody know, Bianca, 6 a.m., February 14th. All right, bye. Blessings. Good to hear from you, Bianca. All right, we have open lines, 303-690-3000. Prayer is something that is very important. And, um, you know, our our prayer life, sometimes we can feel like it gets a little bit mundane. uh, But I think that going through the Scriptures as the Lord speaks to you is a great way to say, thank you, Lord, uh, these applications, these truths, as I apply it um, deeper in my life. And, And that just makes our prayer life more vital and um, exciting or, you know, interesting. Uh, just it's an attitude of going to the Lord when you're driving in your car and, and you, you think of somebody or you are at work and you see somebody, uh, pray for them. Uh, as you uh, are reminded of something during the day, we can shoot up those prayers. And it's very exciting to be able to do that. Well, we got all, all open lines. Uh, the number to call to be on the air is 303-690-3000. We'd love to hear from you uh, from the East at Hope FM in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Maryland. You can call that number. You can talk to us and uh, ask us things about the Bible or give your prayer requests. My name is Jeff Figs, and 
I am your host for this afternoon, this afternoon, and uh, here on Calvary Live, and would love to talk with you. Um, we have some text uh, messages that are coming in, and um, we're going to start with one one asking for corporate prayer for my friend Christine for her salvation. And so we're going to pray for Christine. Um, um, uh, it's a turning point in her life. And so, Larry, we're going to pray for her. And so, Father, we do pray for Christine. I thank you for Larry uh, that is uh, call, uh, writing in, wanting prayer for her. You know where she's at. We, uh, You know who she is. We lift her up to you. She's at a turning point in her life, making decisions. And, Lord, we pray that you would draw her to yourself, that you would bless her that you would just minister to her um, and bring in salvation to her in Jesus' name. Hey, we'll be right back taking your calls, your questions, and prayer requests after the break. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Call us with your questions about life, the Bible, and living in Jesus right now at 303-690-3000. Welcome back to the second half of Calvary Live. It's uh, good to be on the air with you on this Tuesday afternoon. Uh, We have an open line. We'd love to talk to you about the things of the Lord, the Scriptures, pray with you. The number to call again is 303-690-3000. We want to welcome all the Grace FM listeners and along the front range of Colorado into southern Wyoming, and also for you on the Hope FM radio network in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Maryland. Love to hear from you guys out east there, so give us a call at 303-690-3000. Let me give you that text line for you to be able to text in a question at 720-336-0897. I want to go to line one to Larry from Greeley. Larry, how are you? I'm doing pretty How you good. Doing? How you doing, Pastor? I'm doing good. Let me turn my radio down here. Uh, there. I had a question in the book of Jeremiah. Uh, yeah. How uh, uh, God had it allowed the king of Babylon to come in and to destroy. I understand why he, he sent the king there, because of all the wickedness and, and stuff that was going on there in, in Jerusalem and Judea, or Judah, I'm sorry, but... Uh, uh, I just wonder why he allowed the king to take them all captive and have them go through all this hardship, and then later on in the scriptures, uh, the, the, uh, the king is destroyed. The kingdom of Babylon is destroyed. Yeah, and, you know, it is interesting, and you you answered the first part of, you know, why God allowed the king of Babylon to come in, because God had made a covenant uh, with the children of Israel there at Mount Sinai, that if you mm-hmm. follow me and you worship me, then I'm going to protect you. I'm mm-hmm. going to bless you. I'll defeat your enemies. Um, all's going to be well. But if you forsake me, then you'll go into captivity. And, you know, so the children of Israel, of course, uh, you got to remember that it was the 10 northern tribes that went off into captivity, uh, the house of Israel in 722 BC and mm-hmm. um, by the Assyrians. And, they ended up being defeated and destroyed as well. Um, matter of fact, isn't it interesting, Larry, that um, it was Jonah that went to Nineveh. There was mm-hmm. a city that repented. 
that was the capital of the Assyrians. And then about 100, 120 years later, Nineveh ended up being destroyed um, right. and defeated. So mm-hmm. uh, because they turned back to their wickedness. Mm-hmm. We know that um, it was Habakkuk that was in his tower praying. He's saying, Lord, how can you let these wicked Chaldeans come and and take us and and use them to bring judgment? And so God did, but it did not excuse their wickedness as well. Right. And as you go through Jeremiah and Isaiah, because of what you did to the children of Israel, even though he used them, they would come under that judgment as well. And um, and Babylon, it's interesting because I wanted to kind of clarify something. Um, you said that, you know, he allowed Babylon to be destroyed. Babylon was um, defeated, but it was never destroyed. Um, yeah, that's, that's and, what I meant. That's true. It was defeated. Yeah, yes. it was defeated by uh, the Medes and the Persians. And mm-hmm. uh, how that happened was an amazing feat. Isaiah talks about it in chapter 44, 45, I believe, uh, that he even, even named Cyrus. And what Cyrus did on that night that Daniel chapter 5 speaks of, that here's Belshazzar having a party with his governmental officials and, um, and toasting to the gods of, of Babylon, Here's Cyrus and his troops drying up the Euphrates River that would run under the walls of Babylon and divert mm-hmm. it to flow, and then they just walked under the walls and they took the city really without uh, shooting an arrow, and um, pretty amazing. But the yeah. reason I also wanted to mention that, Larry, is because there's also scripture given in the book of Isaiah that mm-hmm. Babylon will be destroyed, become a, a place of desolation. So that brings up some questions in the end times when you have Babylon being destroyed in Revelation chapter uh, 18, a commercial Babylon. Is Babylon Mm -hmm. going to be rebuilt? We know that Babylon speaks of the worldly system. We know that that's going to come to an end. There's religious Babylon in chapter 17 of Revelation. There's commercial Mm -hmm. Babylon so there's a lot of thought on that, which I find it to be very interesting. So you brought up kind of an interesting thought when you mentioned that. Yeah, I didn't. I, I uh, haven't read that far into it, but I didn't. I didn't know that. I was just. Uh, I just got done reading Jeremiah, and I just wondered how how God had allowed that to happen, and and that makes perfect sense now. So. Yeah, and you know another good book too to kind of correlate it with with Jeremiah is Daniel mm-hmm. because Daniel speaks of those four world uh, empires that would come on the scene from the time of Daniel. Daniel went off into captivity in Babylon's first um, wave of captivity. There was three waves of captivity, 605 B.C., when mm-hmm. Nebuchadnezzar, after he gets word, uh, Nebuchadnezzar's a general, he's leading his troops. Uh, they just, you know, have defeated Egypt and the Battle of Sharshamist and all that had take, taken place. So he gets word that, hey, um, dad has died. You need to secure the throne. He hurries back to Babylon. On his way, he stops in Jerusalem. And he takes some of the captives back, which would be Daniel and his three friends. So Daniel goes off into captivity at that time. 
And mm-hmm. then a second wave of captivity took place in 597 BC, and that's where Ezekiel goes off into captivity. And that's where some of the um, furnishings of the temple went uh, in the first mm-hmm. captivity with Daniel, mm-hmm. as well as the second one. And then he came in and destroyed Jerusalem, leveled it in the third wave of captivity in 586 BC. Um, and it's interesting that Daniel, as he was there prophesying, that in chapter 2 and chapter 7, he prophesies about those empires that would come on the scene from the time of Daniel, about 500 years before Jesus came on the scene, up mm-hmm. until the second coming of Jesus Christ. And Babylon would be replaced by the Medo-Persian Empire. Uh, Cyrus, when he came into power in 536 B.C., he gave the decree that the Jews could go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple, but they would be defeated by the Greeks, Alexander the Great, and then the Mm -hmm. Greeks would be defeated by the Romans. And then we know that Rome just kind of faded away, but there's going to be a revived Roman Empire in the last days. So that's kind of interesting as you study that, the prophecies that are given. Okay, I understand that now, Pastor. Uh, You know, I listen to you guys all day long on my car radio, and here at the house I have the same radio station on all the time, and and I would just uh, I want to say thank you most of all, and and thank the Lord for allowing you to to give us the word because you know there's a lot of us out here that are hungry for the word, and and sometimes we don't know where to search for it. So uh, when we listen to your radio stations, you know you more, more than likely you're going to get right on that subject, and we're going to have understanding on that. But uh, well, I just uh, encourage you. the brothers and sisters that listen to your radio station pray for their pastors, you know, and to, because I called in a couple of days ago, I believe, and saying that the, the devil, that's the first one he's going to attack, are the pastors to try to scatter the flock. So I would just yeah. encourage the brothers and sisters that listen to this radio station to make sure that they pray, and if they want to fast for their pastors, because uh, the pastors are in need more than anything. Thank you, Larry. Thank you for that reminder. Why don't we pray right now? Father, I just Thank you for Larry calling, and he's being blessed by Grace FM. I thank you for his question. He's learning the scriptures, and I pray you continue to grow him in the knowledge and love of Jesus Christ and the Word of God. And, Lord, we do pray for pastors uh, here all along the front range, even those uh, that listeners out east, that we would— pray for our pastors, that they be committed to the Scriptures. And Lord, uh, we live in a day and age where the enemy is uh, really stepping up his attack against the church, against Christians who are committed to the Word of God. So I pray for strength and wisdom. I pray for uh, guidance, and uh, Lord, that we would stay strong in you. And Father, I also pray for those who are teaching on Grace FM, the radio programs, because Satan is called the prince of the power of the air, and we have invaded his territory with the truth, and he's not happy. He's very angry. So, Lord, we just pray for that you bless those ministries and the pastors that are teaching the truth of God's Word. And, Lord, um, we just pray that you continue to use this radio station in a powerful way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Larry. Appreciate your call. Appreciate the encouragement. All right. God God bless bless you. you. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Let's go to, I believe, Andrea or Andrea, line three from Denver. Is it Andrea? Hi. Or, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. You got a question for me? 
Yeah, I do. I've had this question for a while. Um, it comes from a devotional that I was reading. Um, uh-huh. And it basically talks about the soul, the spirit, and the heart kind of being different things. And I always thought that the soul and the spirit were the same thing, but it doesn't seem like that. And well, the heart is yeah. different. Well, yeah. And I've never heard the heart part uh, put into it. Usually, man is made up of, you know, of the uh, flesh, right? Bone and skin. We, we all have bodies, fleshly bodies. Um, right. And then we're also made of what is spirit. That's the real us. Uh, Paul would write in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, that when we take our last breath, that we will go home to be with the Lord. So our spirit will go to be with the Lord uh, until the resurrection when we get new heavenly bodies. Then there's the soul. And the soul is kind of the emotion, um, more the heart, I guess. Um, that's the soul. Sometimes the word soul and spirit is inter- you know, changed um, in the scriptures. For example, uh, when David writes about um, the resurrection of Jesus, um, mentions it in one of his psalms, uh, he says, I will not allow my Holy One to see corruption. Um, his soul will not be left. Um, it's speaking of his spirit in that. I need to read it to you so uh, you understand it. But sometimes the, that word soul and spirit is interchangeable. But basically, when you talk about the body, there's the body, the flesh, there's the spirit, the real us, and then there's the soul, which I liken it to the mind, the emotions, the heart. And you know what? Um, where the real battle is, um, is in the soul, in the mind, isn't it? Um, yeah. That's yeah. where the real battle can come, with the heart. And that's why the enemy is the accuser of the brother who accuses us day and night. He's trying to mess with your head. He's trying to mess with your mind. And that's where the battle really can happen. So that's why the New Testament that we read a lot, Paul writes about renewing your mind. Um, renewing your mind, have the mind of Christ. Uh, make sure that you know um, what is good and acceptable, uh, Romans chapter 12, uh, will of God by renewing your mind. Don't be conformed to this world, but uh, transformed by the word of God, by the renewing of your mind, um, and that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So Paul talks a lot about that. It really is important what it is that you put into your your mind and because your mind's going to affect your heart and um, you don't want it just in your mind the word of god but you want to get it down in your heart so body soul and spirit um and so um that reference was in psalm 16 for you shall not leave my soul in my soul s-o-u-l in sheol nor will you allow your holy one to see corruption so sometimes it's interchangeable does that help? Yeah, and then, like, so the spirit, what is the spirit again? The spirit is the realist, you know. When Jesus was on the cross, he gave up his spirit. And he said, into uh, your hands I commit my spirit, Father. And then he breathed his last. Um, he told the thief on the cross, before the sun has set, you'll be with me in paradise. So Jesus would escort the thief on the cross into paradise at that time. 
Jesus' body was laid into a tomb, and then three days later, he bodily resurrected from the grave. So the spirit is, for no better lack of term, is the real us. We, we all have a spirit. Uh, and when we go home to be with the Lord, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, mm-hmm. to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. When our heart stops, when we take our last breath, we're immediately in the presence of the Lord. Our bodies may sleep in the ground, um, but at the rapture of the church, we're going to get new resurrected bodies. There are those who have come along with the doctrine of soul sleep. Matter of fact, there was a text question that somebody was asking, when we die, do we take a long nap? Uh, our body sleeps in the ground, or if you get cremated or whatever, but we continue to live. Our spirits go to be with the Lord. And then at the resurrection, we're going to get new heavenly bodies. And it's kind of a concept that we can't fully understand, but that's what the Bible declares. The resurrection is an amazing concept. It's speaking not just eternal life, but eternal life with a new heavenly body. And then the soul, I like to think of as our emotions, our mind, and that's where the battle can really take place, spiritual battle. Right. So, like, would it be fair to say, like, the spirit, because I remember hearing, and I don't know if I heard it or read it, but there's a part of us that, like, knows that God is real, but sometimes certain people choose to not believe it or choose to, like, ignore it. So is that, like, that part, like, is my spirit when I'm happy after I, like, leave church or happy when I, um, when I read something and I felt like the Lord was talking to me? or when I feel convicted, is that kind of going on? Is that my spirit, like the way that I connect with God? Well, not only, you know, I talked about where the battle is in the mind and, um, you know, the enemy who's the accuser of the brethren, but the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world of sin. So the Holy Spirit will speak to our hearts in that still small voice. Uh, The Holy Spirit will draw us to himself. Jesus said in John's Gospel in that Upper Room Discourse, he said that the, the Holy Spirit is, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world of sin. So there's the Holy Spirit that's convicting people of sin, you know, uh, their need for God, that God is real. Paul writes in Romans chapter 1 about since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power in Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Just the creation around this testifies that there is, um, you know, a, a creator, that it just didn't happen by chance. There's a design, a marvelous design, and a marvelous creator. But the Holy Spirit is the one that convicts us of sin. He's convicting people of sin, their need for Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit will talk to us as well uh, in that still small voice. And it's really important that we learn to distinguish between the conviction of the Holy Spirit, which draws us to Christ, um, the the peace of the Holy Spirit, the small voice, a small, uh, still small voice of the Lord, and then the condemnation of the enemy, all right? And as you grow in the Word of God, you're going to know. Um, you're going to be more sensitive to the voice of the Lord speaking to your heart. Um, the enemy is going to condemn. The enemy is going to deceive. The enemy is going to lie. Um, and um, 
we need to know the Word of God and be sensitive to hearing the still small voice of the Lord. I was hearing somebody um, when Nate uh, yesterday, Pastor Nate, was talking to somebody about how do you know the still small voice of the Lord? And that is know the Word of God. That's what Nate was saying. Know the Word of God and then be in prayer, and he'll give you a peace that rules in your heart. He'll speak to you in that still small small voice. It will not contradict what the Word of God has to say. Right. Sorry, just one last time. So is my spirit, like, I know there's a difference between my spirit, like, that I'm born with, that God made me with. I know I have a soul, Mm -hmm. and I know the heart is kind of the same thing as the soul. You know, that's where the challenges are, which is true, because I, like, I experienced that a lot. And it's crazy, because you're talking about condemnation, and I think, for me, that was another thing that I've had a question to ask, but I never asked, because, like... I'm always told that I'm very hypocritical of myself sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so, but I really want to know what these things are because they're a part of me. Yeah. And, and, and I here, don't want to like affect them. Like I heard even a part where Jesus comes and lives in your heart and I'm like, oh my gosh. So like when I'm doing something bad, he's in there with that. So it's mm-hmm. really confusing. I just want the same question yeah. like I asked. So the Spirit is how I connect with God. That's, like, how I know He's real. That's, like, how how I connect. Is that right? Yeah, in a way. Here's the thing. Ephesians says, Paul says, here's a mystery, that Christ dwells in your heart. He dwells in our hearts. And that word dwell literally means to make yourself at home in your heart. So whenever that we are going in the wrong direction, sinning, carnality, There is the conviction and the chastening of the Lord that comes from the Holy Spirit. Um, And that is always to draw you to him. Now, the enemy, when he condemns, and as Romans chapter 8 says, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. It's always to push you away from the Lord. And that's the difference. But that's the Lord speaking to you in that still, small voice. So um, don't make it too complicated. Um, I try not to. The Lord dwells in my heart and makes himself at home in my heart. Is there anything in my heart that makes him uneasy, that um, on the walls of my heart that, you know, um, that is there in my mind being polluted? And the Lord will convict me of those things because he wants me to repent. He wants me to do well. He wants to draw me to himself. So, you know, what I can tell you is what the Bible says, that we have a spirit. Um, that spirit will, when we die, go home to be with the Lord unless we're raptured, which I pray happens. Uh, our bodies will be um, resurrected, and then there is the soul, which is the mind, the emotions. So, Okay. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> You're asking Thank good you. questions, okay? But, but, Andrea, here's the thing. You just stay close to the Lord, all right? Keep reading the Word. Allow the Lord to speak to your heart. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. And that word rule means like a baseball empire. And, you know, one of the things that I tell young people is that when Elijah was running from the mountain of God, you know, from Jezebel, and he went to the mountain of God, he stopped, and the angel, you know, said, Arise, Elijah, for the journey is long. And then he would go down to the mountain of God, and there was the wind and the fire and the earthquake, and the Lord wasn't in those things, but he heard the still, small voice of the Lord. And Andrea, the journey's long, 
And the Lord wants to speak to your heart. He wants to speak to you primarily through the Word of God, but He wants to speak to you throughout the day. And He's going to speak to your heart, and you're just going to feel the prompting of the Lord. All right? Yeah. Thank you. And you know what? And He loves you, (laughs) and He wants to work through you. And sometimes we are so much less gracious to ourselves than the Lord is to us. And... uh so you just keep relying on him and resting in him. Enjoy him and enjoy listening to him, okay? And he'll speak to you. Um, really quick, before I let you mm-hmm. go, um, okay. this is my first time calling. I've been so scared to call. I usually try to send a text, but sometimes those don't get answered. And so I use my mom's name. My name is Ajane. I was really, really nervous calling and so I just I just don't want to be convicted about that. I didn't, I really didn't want to call. Like I'm more yeah. the type that'll you know email what? and text. You, so you, I'm you, just gonna let yeah. that go because I want to. Yeah. Not feel bad. Don't. Here's the thing. Don't. You know. You don't have to be afraid to call. Um, you did great. And if you want to text, that's great. But don't be afraid to call. And um, if the Lord is saying you don't have to be afraid and don't use your mother's name, that's you know, then he's speaking to you. But don't be afraid. We're here to minister to you in any way that we can and encourage you. But you did wonderful. You're asking good questions. All right. Thanks. You have a good evening. Now you're going to call me back, right? (laughs) Yeah, I have so many questions. (laughs) Thanks. That's what we're here for. We're here to serve you and to bless you and to minister to you. That's what this radio program is all about. Don't be afraid to call Pastor Ed. Uh, or, or Pastor Nate, or Eric on Friday, or me. We're here to serve you, and we love doing that. All right? All right. Bye-bye. You take care. Okay. You did great. I do want to go to line two to um, Jenny, it is, from New Jersey. Uh, Jim. Line- Jimmy. Jim. Jimmy. They typed yeah. it in wrong. So how are good. you? I'm doing good. How you doing, brother? Good. Thanks for calling. Yeah, I had a I had a question about Old Testament versus New Testament. Um, okay. You know, God says He's the same uh, yesterday as He is today. Um, I was thinking about basically the wrath back in the Old Testament compared to the New Testament. How you know He teaches us to forgive and love, and you know we're not bound by the law anymore. And I've seen all the laws written in the Jewish religion back in the day. And, you know, for adultery or uh, murder, you know, they were, you know, stoned and, you know, right. a lot of horrible things happened to them back in the day. And I have a hard time kind of taking that as, like, is this God's word? Did God, yeah. is, did God write this? And, or is this just the laws written by the Pharisees back in the day? So yeah. basically, God. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, here's the thing. When you you study the scriptures, sometimes, particularly if you're new to studying the scriptures, but not always, you read the Old Testament and you see that you know the law was brutal. Um, and I'm so thankful to be on this side of the cross in the day and age of grace. But yeah. you know, one of the things that the scripture says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And sometimes people have the mindset of God was you know uptight, judgmental you know, full of wrath in the Old Testament, and then he kind of mellowed out in the New Testament. Um, 
when it was in the upper room, Philip said, show us the Father that it may suffice us. And Jesus said, oh, Philip, you've been with me all this time. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In other words, if you want to know what God is like, then look at me. If you want to know what the essence and the heart of God is, look at me. As you look at the Old Testament, uh, Jimmy, what are the things that you'll see is you will see the grace of God. He wanted to extend that grace to a nation that he made a covenant with, but they refused to. They continued in their sin. And, you know, Moses, when he was, um, you know, praying, he was asking the Lord, what is your name? And the Lord would declare to him that, um, you know, uh, long-suffering and patient, abundant uh, in mercy. And that's what you can see his mercy and grace extended, uh, calling his people to repent, calling his people back to himself. I want to bless you. Um, But he had made that covenant with them um, that if you stray, that it's going to be bad news for you. So that helps me in it. Um, That helps me to realize that the heart of God really hasn't changed. Uh, And, um, you know, his dealing with people, even though there's some hard stuff there and stoning and all of that. Um, And I'm very thankful that uh, we're not under the law, but we are under grace. So I don't know if that helps a little bit. It it definitely helps. I have a lot of—I start reading into it, I think, um, pretty hard, because I was asked a question. I I was kind of going back and forth with a guy the other day, and— he was basically telling me, um, you know, I could pull scriptures out of the Bible talking how, you know, God was wrathful because I was basically trying to talk to him the difference between um, Islam and and Christianity. Yeah, yeah so, exactly. It was, it was kind of hard for me to to explain it to him that way because I'm not yeah. as scripted, you know, as yeah. a lot of people. I'm, I'm still a baby yeah, and all good. this. I was, good, I was good, saved, good. Saved, 2013, so I'm yeah. still learning. <laughs> yeah, good question. Keep looking for the grace and mercy of God in the Old Testament. We're at the end of our radio program. Jimmy, thanks Thank for calling. Thank you for listening to Calvary Live. Be sure to tell a friend about Grace FM.